God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, Boris Johnson is kaput. He's gone. And uh, that is big news, folks. That is uh, astounding news, really, to to see a prime minister resign in the fashion that he did. Uh, So why don't we take a listen to his statement and... um, and we'll talk about it. Let's, uh, and, here we go. And the reason I have fought so hard in the last few days to continue to deliver that mandate in person was not just because I wanted to do so, but because I felt it was my job, my duty, my obligation to you to continue to do what we promised in 2019. All right. No, we have a couple of clips. I haven't yet to... Uh really vet these things possessed of such boundless british originality and so willing to tackle old problems in new ways that i know that even if things can sometimes seem dark now our future together is golden thank you all very much thank you so that was well, that was uh, Boris Johnson's uh, speech in Downing Street. It was listened to there, you can see, uh, by a crowd, including his wife, Carrie Johnson, and their nine-month-old baby. She was standing next to Nadine Dorries, the uh, culture secretary, a long-standing friend and ally uh, of uh, the prime minister. Just behind them, you can see uh, to the chief whip, uh, Chris Heaton-Harris, uh, someone who's had uh, an extremely uh, fraught, fraught few days. But there you can see... Carrie Johnson uh, looking on uh, as Boris Johnson, her husband, uh, gave his resignation speech. No it's all smiles, there, uh, toddler, actually. Uh, perhaps, understandably, uh, if anyone uh, with small children will know. At the other end of Downing Street, there were very different uh, scenes. If we can have a quick look there, you can see people crowding around, trying to capture a moment of history on their mobile phones. People smiling. We don't know if they were supporters of the Prime Minister or perhaps people who were glad uh, to see. The, the, I have to say the reaction's a bit strange. 
it really is. Um, here is a uh, where he was um, being <clears throat> tested in a committee hearing of sorts. It says, Boris Johnson talks about an unauthorized meeting with an ex-KGB spy, Alexander Lebedev. His advisors p- passes a note telling him to stop talking. All right, so let's take a listen. Make hello. Prime Minister, I mean, you said you met him without officials. Was that presumably was when you were Mayor of London? When you were Foreign Secretary, did you meet Alexander Lebedev? I, I, I think uh, I probably officials? did, but I but um, probably did. I, I, as I said, I would like, I would need to check. You, you used to regularly meeting him. I mean, is it probably because you meet him often, or probably because you can't remember? I've I've met him on a very few occasions. As Foreign uh, when, Secretary, when, when, when if the, on the occasion you're mentioning, if that was when I was Foreign Secretary, then yes, without officials. Yes, I mean, that, that makes sense. Did you report yes. to your officials that you had met him? Uh, I think I, I think I did mention it. Yes. And where did you meet him? Um, you know, uh, I, I met him uh, in Italy, as it happens. But I, I really, you know, I, I forget. Anyway. Well, perhaps you'll, uh, you'll write to us. Personal engagement was it? Yeah. Honest? It was. It, that's personal exactly engagement right. Initially. Um, we'll move on, Caroline. Okay, so he just slipped the note to, to stop talking. Um, here's the thing about them. You know, I, I'll, I'll never forgive Boris Johnson for being, he was a foreign ministry secretary, I believe it was, under, uh, oh gosh, what was his name? But in any case, um, uh, begins with a C. But in any case, um, he was foreign secretary, foreign secretary, and Foreign Services Secretary. And remember, there was Robert Hannigan from GCHQ, and they were part of the Five Eyes. Cameron. Cameron was his name. <laughs> and um, they were part of the Five Eyes, and they were basically, you know, I think in support of, support of the Christopher Steele dossier. And he was MI5 or MI6 or something like that. And <clears throat> um, Christopher Steele was. And Christopher Steele was actually communicating and 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 met up with our State Department, and Victoria Newland was involved in that mess to a certain degree. She lied under oath when she said that she didn't know about the meeting uh, with Christopher Steele in the State Department, but in fact she did because later in her another testimony, she said she avoided that meeting because of the optics. So, Victoria Newland, Toria Newland, lied about that. What was she covering up? We all know now what the Christopher Steele dossier was. It was just a, a wild hoax brought about by people from the Brookings Institution, probably coordinated with people from the Atlantic Council and a whole bunch of other liberal socialist globalists that were actually getting rich off of U.S. tax dollar aid going over to Ukraine and and going over to Northern Africa and and elsewhere. A lot of these U.S. aid to Africa, U.S. aid to Ukraine. I mean, we're giving how many billions of dollars to Ukraine right now? The face of globalism. And you hear even Biden yesterday in Cleveland talking about the New World Order. And how, you know, God willing, if it if it works out, you know, we're going through a tough transition, he says. 
We're going through a major transition, a transition from from energy, uh, uh, from fossil fuels to green energy. It's almost with the same vigor and same push that Fauci had in store with COVID because they get their little crummy hooks in on these deals. And what they do is they push it because they're paid to push it. Pfizer, you know, there's a comedian in Canada that got uh, vaccinated twice. He was making fun of the anti-vaxxers. And then next thing you know, He's in his deathbed, in his hospital bed. He's 32 years old, comedian, pretty popular. And he, he basically says, um, <clears throat> you know, vax me once, shame on you. Vax me, or vax me once, shame on uh, uh, Pfizer. Vax me twice, shame on COVID. And vax me three times, shame on you, is what his dying words were. And he's lying in his bed. Next thing you know, he's croaked. He's dead. And uh, we have a clip. Uh, I think we might have a clip of that um, from uh, uh, Stein, <clears throat> a talk show host that filled in for Fox News quite a bit and uh, and also is, has his own show in Britain. But... They're pushing this vaccine just like they're pushing this climate change. We found out now that NASA has known for 60 years that climate is cyclical. It's game over, folks. It's game over for the climate people. NASA had good studies, good information, just like we see medical doctors that, um, you know, like there's a, a female medical doctor in Texas that's going to get sued if not brought up on criminal charges for issuing ivermectin. And for what reason? Why are they banning ivermectin? Why are they banning hydroxychloroquine? Why are they doing all that? And they're doing it because they are that much into the camp of making Pfizer rich. Pfizer, who supports every single media outlet, as we have heard the other day, on a Tucker report <clears throat> where Pfizer was the sponsor of every media outlet. And you, you ask the question, why would Pfizer sponsor media? You know, that's that's being sold to the retailer, to, to the end consumer. Who ca- you know, do you care about? I don't care about Pfizer. I don't even know what they sell, really. I mean, I know they sell COVID drugs and they're making billions of dollars off of it, but no. They're trying to cover their butts and they're trying to make sure that the media outlets toe the line and they're buying off narratives. They're paying media companies to be kind to them, to squash reports. You know, if, if it's your biggest cash cow, there's no way, Jose, there's no way that you are going to allow a story to jeopardize your bottom line revenue stream. And that's the trouble with media, where they have these cash cows. And it's easy then to, to uh, once you make a giant cash cow like Pfizer, 
they're too big to fail. They're too strong. They're too influential. They're too connected. Because they, they're not stopping with just the linear money that's going into the coffers of these media companies. But they're also leveraging themselves with alliances, <clears throat> like with Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and all these other interests. And this is a problem. This is a real problem. But it's starting to crumble and we see this with climate, we see this with COVID. And then you take a look at this Boris Johnson thing and his resignation. You say, well, at first glance, at first blush, you know, he's part of the Tory party and he's a conservative. And you're like, oh, well, wait a second, you know. He's a conservative. He's the best that we United States ally could he's the best ally United States could have as far as leaders are concerned. There was Tony Blair, there was James Cameron, there's not, maybe not James Cameron, that's the director, but Cameron. Um, and you say, well, who, who are we going to get? And a lot of people in the know <clears throat> in British politics are basically saying, Others and to try. It's, uh, it's going to be uh, one globalist after another. And that's the scary, that's the scary news. That's the scary part. This guy named Charlie Fox, he writes, Boris Johnson resigns. Another globalist politician will replace him. Mass immigration will continue. Our sovereignty and identity will be eroded. The global, the global Britain plan will go ahead. The problem is not the Tory leader. The problem is the Tories, just like the problem is the conservatives, like Lindsey Graham and Mitt Romney and, and, uh, and Burr and... You know, all these, uh, and Toomey, Pat Toomey, and all these different rhino Republicans, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Liz Cheney's not a senator, but a congressman. And and so basically, you get all these conservatives that are, you know, towing the line for the globalists, and they're, they're basically putting globalism first and America second, to the point where they align themselves with the Democrat Party on anything global. Anything climate, anything open borders, to help the corporate sponsors of their campaigns out, to help them out. <clears throat> After the irreparable damage Boris Johnson has done to this country, and he's talking about Great Britain, I'm glad to see him go. Unfortunately, his replacement will be just another World Economic Forum globalist puppet. The players change. The game remains the same. Don't be fooled. It's all theater. Boris Johnson paraded around with the fraud, Zelensky, twice and took myriads of photo ops. Glad to see him resign in disgrace. Fake conservative. Total globalist scum. That was Joey Manorino. Philip Warren says if Boris Johnson was in the predicament because if Boris Johnson was in this predicament because he had been fighting for the British people against the globalists that would be one thing but he is in a this predicament because he hasn't done anything for us and of course Frank uh, Hugerbeets says retreat uh, possible sky news 
coverage about World Economic Forum infiltrating governments around the world using young global world leaders such as Trudeau and the methods used to end protests, like recently in Canada and the Netherlands. Listen to the, to the end. Okay, so I want to play this for you because this is what's going on in Europe. And if you think that Trump had a tough time, and Trump did have a tough time, we all thought that Trump was going to end corruption. <clears throat> and I think that people like General Flynn were infiltrators into the Trump administration. And I think that they were the insurance policy. I think that because he was a cabinet member, because he got himself to be the cabinet member, uh, it iced, it isolated Trump's ability to out the crimes of the Obama administration. And because then uh, it, it implicated a cabinet member like General Flynn, then the problem with that was that, you know, and we've heard Trump say this thousands, you know, many times. One thing he learned about Watergate and Nixon was the cover-up can be worse than the crime. And sure enough, that was what happened. He could not cover or defend Flynn because then it would be implicating that he's obstructing justice and then he would get impeached. And the rhinos in the Senate and the Congress would have seen, saw to it. And, and so the issue there, and they got to impeach him as soon as the Democrats took power by rigging the 2018 midterm elections, which are tough to win anyway. But there was a lot of shenanigans of late, uh, late uh, I think that was the rollout of election rigging. Because there were so many counties back in 2018 that came and switched switched the outcome of different elections. And it cost the Republicans. And it also cost Kirsten Nielsen her job. Because she was in charge of election integrity. She was head of uh, DHS. And that was under the purview of DHS. And she failed. And that's why she was fired immediately after. Now, there's a lot going on here, but the Trump thing, <clears throat> the Trump comparison, when you think about it, Obama said that oh, Brit- Brexit uh, was going to result in UK being in the back of the line uh, of the queue for trade, and Biden pretty much dismissed Boris Johnson in terms of unilateral trade or bilateral trade, and and what you ended up with is if you had Trump, Brexit would have happened. Boris Johnson would have been a hero. And I think that they would have gotten along great. But never forget, though, that Boris Johnson was a foreign services uh, secretary back when Great Britain was trying to sabotage Trump. Trump was always too conservative and too real for the fake Tory fake conservative party, which is not much different than the Lindsey Graham wing of the conservative party. And so Boris Johnson was like sort of like a, a sheep in wolf's clothing in a sense, or a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, wolf in sheep's clothing. But, you know, he had that, that look, that Donald Trump appeal. But he was a bit of a globalist. 
you know, but his perspective, his circumstances are different because he's so close to France and he has to get along with Emmanuel Macron. And incidentally, there's a couple of things going on here. I think that as the world inflation starts to happen and the food shortages and the farmers revolt in, in the Netherlands and you have the truckers uh, revolting in Canada and they inspired the people in Holland, the, the uh, farmers in Holland. And when you think about this chain and domino effect, if you think about, say, the Hispanics that are coming through the border start to think more conservatively and realize that, that the Democrat Party is playing them for fools and using them as tools, <clears throat> just like they did the black people since the 60s, and the, the black people are starting to wake up, not the black liberals, not the Marxists that, you know, um, are corrupt, involved with Black Lives Matter, but the others. Not the people like Stacey Abrams that are rigging elections in Georgia. There's no way that people like Stacey Abrams should be able to get away with what they're getting away with. Now they're starting to look at investigations. I think Stacey Abrams and the Kemp and Raffensperger had a deal and I think that what you're going to find is she's going to get stabbed in the back. I think that there's a possibility of that. But there's no explanation as to why Herschel Walker is 10 points behind a radical socialist Warnock in the polls. That doesn't make any sense to me. Not No sense whatsoever. <clears throat> but in any case, there are connections to all these things. You know, Trump and his failure to end corruption. And I think that Boris Johnson, in a lot of ways, had his own hands full with ending the corruption, just like we can't seem to even figure out what Stacey Abrams is up to. But there is an investigation that's underway into her for electioneering, they call it. And so we'll see what happens there. And I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if something big happens in Georgia where she basically rigged it. I think the deal was that she was going to get her turn. And I think at the last second, she's going to be, she's going to be, it's like a bad drug deal, drug deal gone bad. At the end, you think everybody, everything's going right until you get shot in the head. <clears throat> so who knows what's going to happen. But this is a good piece. I listened to part of it. I didn't listen to the whole thing. This is from Sky News. It says Sky News coverage about the World Economic Forum infiltrating governments around the world. I believe this is happening like there's no tomorrow. And and it's uh, companies like Pfizer and companies like BlackRock, they're actually financing these globalist leaders and it's how they're getting elected. It's how they're overnight becoming these rock stars. You're like, I've never heard of this person three years ago. All of a sudden, they're everywhere. Where did they get all this kind of bank? Where did they get this money? I have no idea. Let's take a listen. Somewhere else that seems to be sliding into dictatorship is Holland, which may not entirely be a coincidence. The similarities between Canada and Holland are as startling as they are disturbing. Here's Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte, leader of the laughably and ironically named People's Party for Freedom and Democracy. Apart from obviously sharing the same wacky lefty sense of humour, 
Those two both are, of course, golden pin-up boys for Klaus Schwab and the globalist fantasists of the World Economic Forum. Only a few months ago, it was the Canadian government that attacked its own citizens in the most grotesque and terrifyingly authoritarian manner during the so-called truckers' convoy revolts, when the government actually froze the bank accounts and basically starved out any individuals involved in what was legitimate, peaceful, democratic opposition to COVID mandates. That ended badly for Trudeau, particularly after this shameful incident in which Canadian mounted police trampled over a peaceful woman protester. Hang on. I've seen something like that before, haven't I? Reminds me of some... Oh, yes. Melbourne under Dan Andrews. Media! 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 All right. So we got a series of clips here. Uh, There's more to this. We're going to take a listen. Prime Minister Mark Rutte at the World Economic Forum. But I digress. Let's go back to Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte at the World Economic Forum in Davos last year, boasting about Holland's involvement with the World Economic Forum's global food innovation hubs, which is busily, quote, transforming food systems and land use. I'd like to highlight a a World Economic Forum initiative in this regard, the World Economic uh, Forum Food uh, Innovation Hubs. And these hubs in Africa, in Asia, in South America and in Europe uh, will allow uh, businesses to connect regional stakeholders to skill innovations, because this is key, uh, skill innovations that can address food food systems challenges. And here, uh, I'm particularly proud to announce that the Netherlands will host the Global Coordinating Secretariat of the World Economic Forum Food Innovation Hubs. The hubs are set out to transform food systems and land use, eh? I wonder what that means exactly. Well, your guess is as good as mine, but as I mentioned last night, currently the Dutch government is embarked upon insane efforts to slash greenhouse gases and reduce the amount of nitrogen ammonia in the soil by 30 to 70 percent by 2030 or even by up to 95 percent in some places in order to meet green EU climate change targets that Holland has signed up to. And this means literally turfing people off their farms. I guess that's one way to transform land use and food. Well, and it wouldn't. It goes without saying, too. Why is uh, China and uh, Bill Gates being allowed to buy up all this farmland in North Dakota? 
But uh, we're going to uh, bring in Kevin Smith, Captain Kevin Smith, uh, who has a show on Red State Talk Radio called Throttle Up. Welcome to the Scott Adams Show. Well, thank you, Scott, and it's uh, good to be here. How are you today? I'm doing great. So you have a new book out, and uh, you also have a series that you're talking about because you were a Top Gun fighter pilot. And one of the things that um, uh, you've been doing lately is talking about uh, the movie Maverick and also talking about the history history of uh, Top Gun. So, uh, yeah, tell us about your new book first. Yeah, um, it's kind of interesting how all of these things have come together. Uh, it, actually, it wasn't it wasn't uh, necessarily planned to do that. But anyway, um, my book, not my new book, is called "The Sonic Warrior." Uh, the subtitle of that is uh, "Chronicles of a Tough Gun Pioneer," and. Uh, it talks about uh, some of the very same things that are in the Top Gun Maverick movie. Uh, you know, that's that's becoming really quite popular. And uh, you know, we can have a whole show on on what why why that has struck a chord in uh, you know in America and maybe even the world. Uh, it does seem to be doing well internationally as well. Uh, essentially, they're 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 both uh, my book and the and uh, the Top Gun Maverick movie is basically talking about the same thing. And uh, <clears throat> I what I do is I I give a little bit more of a historical perspective. Uh, where did it came from? Because I was actually on the ground floor of this whole uh, this whole movement. Uh, what what is the movement? Uh, and that's kind of a fascinating story in and of itself. Uh, the movement, Scott, uh, was uh, a grassroots movement. Okay, uh, there was a a growing concern that uh, we were. We we're talking about you know the country the the military uh, the uh, the air forces that we have the naval air force in particular there was a uh, growing movement within the uh, naval air force community uh, to uh, put primary emphasis on technology. Uh, and this was a time when technology was uh, was moving forward, and, and there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. Technology is fine, but uh, when when there's a human in the loop, in this case it was the fighter pilots of the day, when there's a human in the loop, uh, we have to actually pay some meaningful attention to the human side of the equation. And that that's the whole story, really, the, the, the story behind this whole Top Gun um, Maverick movie, my book, The Sonic Warrior, and, uh, and other books as well. Uh, if you remember in the movie, uh, the Top Gun Maverick movie, uh, 
uh, Tom Cruise said, it's not the plane, but the pilot, right? That, that, that's a pretty important um, uh, comment there because, and, and that's what the fighter pilots have been pushing for for, for the last uh, 50 years. Uh, let's, let's pay attention to the pilot as much as we pay attention to this, uh, to the technology, which, uh, which is only as good as uh, the human operator. Uh, not the other way around. Well, well, aren't they um, considering doing away with the human operator and making these tremendous planes, uh, drones, sort of like automated uh, or remote operated? Uh, yes, uh, and uh, the the short answer is yes. They're there's they're uh, putting a lot of money into. Uh, advanced AI systems or unmanned or autonomous systems. There's a couple, a couple of terms that they use or that they, they throw out there. Uh, there, there is a, there is a huge tension line between, uh, between the humans and the human operators and the technologists or the, in uh, the industry who wants to go in a certain direction. Uh, the uh, the professionals within the organization, the humans don't want to go in that direction. They don't think it's a viable uh, uh, place to go. Uh, and and what we're what we're doing here is is we are uh, we have learned our lesson. Uh, that is the whole reason for the uh, Top Gun initiative. Anyway, is we learned our lesson uh, and we tried to impose some corrections to a deteriorating uh, system performance, which we encountered about the year 1968 during the Vietnam conflict and the, uh, the air campaign was called Rolling Thunder. We did not perform well. And that's right. the bottom line. And so uh, corrections were, uh, a lot of it was grassroots and we, we came up with some meaningful ways in order to correct that situation, I was involved in that, coming up with meaningful ways of inventing new ideas and stuff like that. Uh, well, and that seems to have now, uh, that, that seems to have been put uh, in the background uh, to make room for the um, high technology approach again until the Top Gun Maverick movie came out. Now right. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Now we have a actually what we have here Scott is is we have a we have a battle of ideas going on. I don't know if, mm -hmm. if your audience knows that, but but that that's what's happening right now. There there is a battle going on right now. It's a battle of ideas. Uh, wow. The ideas are uh, if you remember in the in the Top Gun Maverick movie, uh, you know Tom Cruise was Tom Cruise's character Maverick was accused of being um, you know being a dinosaur. You know the end is inevitable. Right, right, right. You know, that's you, that's what seems to be because right, you're kind of heading right heading for extinction. Yeah, human beings can't sustain the same G forces as as a uh, is an unmanned uh, area, you know, vehicle of any sort. 
Yeah, and so you know that was that. That's the that's the ongoing. That's the real battle. All right, this is not Hollywood now. You know, mm-hmm. we we're now moving into the real world, and the real world is this. This battle has uh, has grown and ebbed and waned uh, for a very long period of time. Ever since World War II, as it turns out, and the P fifty one Mustang. Um, and, it, and it's still it's still ongoing. Uh, the uh, the the technologists of the world want it want to go in one direction, and and the human operators, the pilots and and others, uh, want to go in a completely different direction, where we put where we 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 emphasize the human centric approach to uh, to our ability to conduct warfare is our warfare capabilities human centric or is it machine centric mm-hmm. uh and that that's a huge battle going on well right and this now. is this has really been this has really been the uh case uh throughout history uh including the industrial age we have uh, battled this in the past and we'll battle it in the future and you know that's what separates the price of a car uh, whether it's a Ferrari or a Rolls Royce, and you know, uh, Gremlin coming off the you know conveyor belt in Detroit, right? You know, I mean, it's one of those things where uh, handcraft is still the best, um, but you know, then there's the economy of scale, and then there's the the uh, you know, and certainly in the pilots situation where there the uh, physical abilities uh, that could be surpassed by you know, uh, automated technology, but it's a fascinating subject and it's not one that we've not wrestled with in the past. And it's one we're certainly going to have to be faced with in the future. And, uh, and it's an interesting topic. Yeah, exactly right. And what has brought it to the forefront of our, of, uh, you know, of our awareness, when I say, I'm talking about humans awareness, what Mm -hmm. brought it to the forefront is the, Top Gun Maverick movie. Yes, uh, the fascination with that, and, and the fascination with with uh, with the ability of humans to uh, engage in these complex activities and achieve extraordinary re- results beyond all expectations. Well, um, you now, know, yeah, I- there's some some of it was you know was Hollywood ish in its presentation, but fundamentally, I think the Top Gun Maverick movie was right on the mark. I think that my book is a great complement to that idea that's emerging right now. So, And it's... uh, Go ahead. Give me the cliff notes on Sonic Warrior, because, yeah, you're right. I I agree. Number one, I loved the... uh, Maverick movie. I loved the Top Gun Maverick. I loved it. It was an unbelievable sequel to the original. Uh, they did such a great job artistically and everything else in between. Great storyline. You know, it was just a rem- and it deserves. <laughs> you know, it, it actually surpassed a billion dollars. It's the number one money making movie in the history of movies. Um, so that's great. But. Um, in any case, I thought that the old school, you know, like that transition into automation requires a lot of hand holding from old timers 
and old schoolers that that have to put their input into the automation just like you would a robot in teaching them how to you know think critically or whatever it is that a robot w- you would be facing them to do but uh how does your book um re- give me the cliff notes on sonic warrior and uh why people should pick that up at the bookstore okay well sonic warrior is in the in the same general area of uh of thought if you will or a general category. Uh, the Sonic Warrior uh, uh, takes a look at it from a little bit different perspective, and this is where where humans were first able to achieve supersonic flight, and that brought in a whole new set of challenges and opportunities. Uh, together, uh, the challenges were that we were venturing into an unknown. Uh, area. Uh, sonic warfare was completely unknown uh, to the warfighting community, was completely unknown to human exper- experience. And um, the sonic, the sonic uh, warfare environment utilized or, or presented to the pilot, the fighter pilot, uh, this enormous opportunity, which is to manage these huge amounts of energy that uh, were being generated because of the speed. If you understand the energy equations, you can get a, a grasp of that. The Sonic Warrior book addresses itself to the beginning of Sonic Warfare, how it began, what was it all about, and how did we uh, consider it? How do we think about it? And how do, how do we harness it effectively and efficiently in order to succeed in combat? All right. And so that's the whole uh, storyline behind the Sonic Warrior. Now, so keep in mind that the Sonic Warrior book that I, uh, that's just been released that I wrote uh, is is based upon stories, right? It is not a dry expose of history. Uh, that's been done. Others do that. I'm not a historian uh, per se, Scott. I'm a storyteller. Oh, that you that's, are. That's what I. That's what I do. I tell stories. Right? I had I've the. Been doing that for. I should tell our audience I had the privilege of meeting you um, here in the D.C. area, and we went out to the Dulles uh, Aerospace uh, Museum, and uh, we actually got to look at one of the, you know, like when there are these, you know, fighter planes, uh, the space shuttle was there. You didn't fly that, but no. um, <laughs> but there was a, a, a special plane there. I can't remember the name of it, but Kevin, you'll, you'll tell us. So... You know, we we're talking with Captain Kevin Smith, and he we he takes us out there, uh, Leonor and myself, and we go out there. And next thing you know, uh, we're standing in front of a plane. We actually have video of you telling a story. It's on my iPhone, um, and uh, some great photographs in front of this plane. And it's not just like a replica of the plane or a plane in the same class, but it was the actual plane. In the museum yeah. that you actually flew. 
Yes, yes, that is correct. Yeah, I actually flew that airplane. It was the, that was the F.A. Crusader, and at one time, uh, the F.A. Crusader was the fastest airplane in the world. Uh, it broke uh, the speed records. It was the fast. It was the first airplane ever to achieve a thousand miles per hour, which is well beyond the speed of sound. Uh, if you can think of the speed of sound as somewhere around 500 miles per hour, then uh, then it was going, uh, uh, you know, roughly twice the speed of sound. It won. It was awarded the Collier Trophy and the Thompson Trophy, and mm-hmm. so I was. I was on the ground floor of the Sonic Warrior initiative. Wow. Uh, that was not not brought out uh, particularly well, and I'm not criticizing the Top Gun movies. I'm not criticizing them. They're great, right? But there was a key aspect of that that addresses itself to Sonic Warfare. And here we had to develop a completely new way of thinking. I'm not kidding, right? Uh, the 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 normal or conventional way that we were taught uh, how to think didn't work. So we had to uh, reinvent uh, the way that uh, human operators could think appro- uh, effectively in this high velocity environment. The high-velocity environment took us well beyond the speed of sound. And, you know, my whole reason for being, I guess you could say, Scott, is is to examine how we should think as humans, right? And there was a lot of lessons learned in that environment that I was in that we could take with us and apply across the board to all kinds of human experiences and human operations and human tra- uh, challenges going forward. There's all kinds of things that we can learn, we can use to improve the way we think and improve our ability to be successful in life, uh, particularly if we are involved in doing something purposefully some kind of a, uh, I call it a high-stakes operation. If you're involved in a high-stakes operation, it could be a new startup for a company. It could be, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, could, it could be a medical operation, and it could be a, a, a combat operation in the military. If you're involved in a high-stakes operation, there's a lot of things we learned about how to do that well or how to optimize those kinds of operations that we have taken from this uh this area that we that i call sonic warfare wow and so all right sonic, so sonic 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 warfare uh, really is the beginning of this whole effort to improve the way we think it, it sounds like a fascinating book. Um, you have uh, you've been doing a lot of events associated with this book. Where are you going to be uh, in the coming weeks uh, to uh, promote your book? And uh, how can people go out and buy a copy of Sonic Warrior, uh, written by Captain Kevin Smith? Okay, well, uh, uh, great question. Uh, you can you can buy it anywhere. All right, so it's uh, it's now available. Uh, any place, uh, any any book outlet, 
uh, has access to it. Uh, I'll just name a few. Uh, Bar- uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, uh, uh, they all have uh, have access to it. Uh, the publisher, by the way, is Redemption Press. Uh, you can go directly to the publisher. Uh, Redemption Press is the mainline publisher, and uh, they're they're kind of up and coming. Uh, they're uh, becoming more and more popular in the publishing world. So you can go directly to Redemption Press, and you can purchase it there. It is available in ebook as well. Also. Uh, it's available in audiobook. The the when I was uh, I I actually uh, do the narration uh, of the book as well, and so it's a little bit unique. Uh, maybe it is quite unique in in the fact that the Sonic Warrior uh, is written by uh, by a person who was there. So it's a first person account. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and the Sonic Warriors narrated by the very same person who was in the cockpit. Right. Right. So that's kind. Of, that's kind of a. That's kind of a little bit different uh, uh, in terms of uh, of material that you can pick up and read and stuff like that. So this is all first person account stuff. So my stories when I'm telling my stories about one of the episodes in there is about is is called the perch uh and that's about um air-to-air live fire gunnery training exercises uh in a supersonic uh fighter right wow and and that's that said that's told from a first person account so you can when, when you when you listen to it or read it uh you can you can pretty much find yourself in the cockpit with me, uh, you know, as we go through this maneuver and learn all of these, uh, these things, some of them are way, way outside the box in terms of, uh, in terms of experience. These now, are all brand new now, things. Now, Kevin, yeah. um, we, we're going to have to wrap up, but I wanted to also ask you, so you talk about this book and you talk about a lot of these concepts and critical thinking on your show. Uh, let let our audience yeah. know how they can hear your show. Okay, well, uh, the show is Throttle Up, uh, and it's on the weekends on Red State Talk Radio on Saturdays and Sundays, both channels. Uh, and you can go to the uh, the uh, Red State Talk Radio website and, and get the times, basically. Uh, it's 6 p.m. and 7 p.m., uh, Eastern on Saturdays and Sundays, so you can listen to it there. It's also in podcast format, and just like your show, Scott. Uh, so we preserve it in podcast. Podcast is actually available on a number of platforms now. Well, you have a uh, website as well, it. right? Yes. Uh, yeah, you can find it on iTunes, uh, Apple Play, and a bunch of other platforms. And you can go directly to my website. Uh, which is throttleupradio.com, and uh, and we have archived all of the uh, uh, throttle up shows over the last uh, many many years that we've been doing this uh, this radio show and been, been affiliated with Red State Talk Radio. So we have all of that. Uh, this series now, which we call uh, Think Like a Fighter Pilot, uh, this is uh, this is right on the money. 
in terms of what's going on today in this country and what is the fascination that we are uh, experiencing and why the, why is this important for us right now and 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 we talk about that why is it important for us to seriously consider uh, this way of thinking because the old way of thinking doesn't work let's just uh, just uh, let's just admit, admit that right up front right, right. The, the old way of thinking has gotten us into some serious trouble okay and so we need to uh, we need to re-examine how we go about thinking and what is the difference between actual reality and fake reality are we are we being given stuff that's not true right is it all fake is it all fake and that's one of the things about this effort and the my initiative is to is to break through the fake barrier and get down to what is actually real what is true and how do we deal with complex problems in that way all right. Oh, uh, by the way, yes, uh, there's a couple of other events. Uh, we're, uh, uh, we are participating in a big book fair event in Lexington, Kentucky in August. Uh, so we're going to be talking to, um, I think, um, a couple of hundred uh, bookstore owners. Uh, we're going to be presenting... Uh, and it's called Christian Products Expo, CPE. So that's a big book fair in Lexington, Kentucky in uh, mid-August. And then we have another event on the USS Midway, uh, first part of September, September 4th, where we're having a, uh, a formal book launch event on the USS Midway, which is the wow. SF Carrier Museum wow. in San Diego. That's, well, that's kind of a big deal. Well, uh, you, a lot of people don't get to do a book launch event yeah. on board uh, the flight deck of an aircraft carrier, but we're doing it. Yeah, right? Midway was a great that. movie, too. But, hey, Kevin, uh, it's been great to have you yeah. for on the Scott Adams Show. We've been speaking with Captain Kevin Smith. He is the author of a new book out called Sonic Warrior. And, Kevin, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We'll We'll see you next time on the radio. You bet. Enjoyed it very much. Thank All you, right. Bye-bye now. Bye. Well, you hear the music. That brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll cover a, a lot more detail of this Boris Johnson thing um, and also a lot of what Biden talked about yesterday in Cleveland. And we'll talk about that in the next show. So we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.